Earlier this year, I preached a message on the word wait. Don't get nervous. It's not W-I-G-H-T. It's W-A-I-T. It's not one of my favorite words. And the Lord knew that. That's why he had me married Sister Diana. I've never been fond of waiting. I like to get going early. And uh, many times, I find, though, that the Lord is teaching me the older I get about waiting. And there's some good things in waiting. I wonder how many times we were delayed and missed a head-on collision. You know, sometime on the road, ah, I got to get there, you know, and we don't know what's ahead. And uh, if we left a little earlier in a hurry, you never know. God is watching over us. God is protecting over us. And by the way, when you're on the road, pray for God's protection everywhere you go. You know, be it, Lord, be our front door and rear, rear door. We pray every time we're on the holiday. Just to go to Homer, we pray. <laughs> Probably your pray just to go to Morgan City. There's ways things are getting around the holidays. But, uh, but also I want to talk about God is in the waiting. Um, there's something about waiting that lets us know that we're waiting. Our waiting depends on Him. And you know what? God always wants to get the glory. He never wants us to get the glory. And so waiting, as hard as it is, is really good for us. And it teaches us about our reliance and dependence on God. Pastor Lowe been talking about God's promises. I love God's promises. Uh, first, excuse me, Second Corinthians one twenty says, "All His promises are in Him are yes and amen." When God gives you a promise, it's gonna it's gonna come to pass. Amen. But there's one little catch. Sometimes it doesn't happen as soon as we like it. We live in a microwave generation. You know I'm talking about everything's quick. Drive by banking, drive by this. I saw one church now just drive by convenience. I'm not gonna go there anyway. But um, we instant, fast lines, checkout lines, all these kind of things, you know, and, and we just, uh, fast food, you know, sometimes that's fast enough for us, amen? But um, we live in this type of generation. But I want to talk to you about a more serious thing, and that's waiting in God's promises. God does promise us things, and um, there's times God speaks to us through a dream, or he'll speak to us through a, a vision, or a prophetic word for somebody, or somebody, something you may be reading in the Word, and God says, that's for you, claim it, claim it, and you hold on to it. God, I'm claiming that word for me in the future, praise the Lord. And so we've got to remember, we're not alone, and uh, we've got to remember, these things will come to pass. And so tonight, just for a few minutes, I want to give you some biblical examples. You've heard most of these stories, most of you, if you've been serving the Lord a while, of a promise that was to come, but they had to wait some time. They had to wait on the promises to be fulfilled. And a lot of things happened in that time that made them actually even more stronger in their faith when their promise was answered. Because they began to look back and say, God, look what God did to get me here. Amen? So the first person I'm going to look at tonight is my buddy Joseph, the son of Jacob. I think brother um, Don has some scripture for you to read with me, I believe. But Genesis 37, 3 through 11, most of you are familiar with it. I just got to get to it. 
30, let's say 37, 3, okay? It says, But now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Joseph was a son in, in Jacob's latter years, and so he was special. He had nine other boys, eight other boys, but it was nine, eight, anyway. And now came up, number 37, because they had Benjamin after Joseph. But now Joseph came along, and he just loved Joseph. He loved him. He didn't hide it. He loved him more than all the rest of them, and they knew it. Ooh, that's bad. Anyway, you've got these kids, you've got to be careful. You don't pick out a favorite. My son always used to say, See, like, you're like, Mama likes the girls more than me. No, it's not true. Anyway, let me move on. But Joseph, Jacob made a tunic for him of many colors. Verse 4, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. He said, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf broke and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Boys, <laughs> and his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And look, this time the sun, the moon, and even the stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come uh, to bow down to you on this earth? And his brothers envied him, envied him, but his father, remember Jacob, Jacob, he says he kept the matter in mind. See, Jacob knew the powers of God. He had wrestled with an angel. Somebody remember that? And the angel touched his hip, changed his name, praise the Lord. And so he knew nothing was impossible with God. Praise the Lord. So here we have this young man who has this wonderful dream. He's all excited about it, ready to go. Boy, he's in, a, he's in a pickle. Brothers hated him. They kept talking about getting rid of him. Fat, in fact, finally they said, let's kill him. But Reuben, the oldest brother, thanked the Lord for Reuben. Amen? Reuben said, we can't kill him. We cannot kill him. They said, but maybe let's just get rid of him. So they dug a hole and put him in there for a while, and some Ishmaelites came by that was going to Egypt, and he sold him as a slave. And he ended up in Potiphar's home. Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh. You see, even in our rough times, God knows what he's doing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Potiphar was a captain of the guard. See, God's hand was still on Joseph, even though he was a slave, even though he was working in a house for his master. But he was blessed, and Potiphar saw that he was blessed. And, and Potiphar began to let him take care of all the households. He took care of all, everything in the house buying food and selling and everything else. But guess what? There was a devil in the house, too. It was Potiphar's wife. She was what they called a cougar. You know what a cougar is? Brother Bernie says, Danny, that's an older woman like a younger man. That's what it means. That's what they call a cougar. I, I didn't know that until they told me. Anyway, but this cougar wanted to sleep with Joseph, try to seduce him. And when she did, he ran, of course, she piled out. He tried to attack me, and of course, they arrested him. He's just a slave in the house. Hello, Wallace Lincoln. Dreamer? 
How'd you go into prison? Wow. In the front serving God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now a prisoner. Oh, but God had him right where he wanted. I said, God had him right where he wanted. Praise the Lord. Placed in a prison where the king's prisoners all reside. Not just the common prisoners, the king's prisoners. Praise the Lord. And so soon, Joseph found favor in the jail. Everywhere he went, he found favor. And the warden said, look, I want you to be over all the prisoners. You take charge. You make sure that Ted got it out. But he was still a prisoner. Well, as the Lord would have it, most of you know the story. Pharaoh had a dream. Tormented him night after night. Called his seers. He called all his uh, prophets to interpret it. He could not interpret the dream. None of them. He said, that's not the answer. That's not the answer. And one of the prisoners who had been brought up to serve uh, uh, Pharaoh said, there's a guy down there. He, he interprets dreams. I guess Pharaoh said, well, i got to lose. He's not even <laughs> has any help at all. <laughs> and so he called uh, uh, um, Joseph up. <laughs> and Joseph came up and, of course, interpreted the dream. And it was prepared then for time, seven years of time. And, and Pharaoh was so impressed, so impressed, this is really something, that he put him as second in charge over everything in Egypt. From a prisoner, think about John. You think God's not working on that at the time? A prisoner over the prisoners. Now he's second in command, prime minister of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And of course, years later, just like uh, Joseph prophesied, the famine came. But uh, Egypt was ready. They were storing up things. You know, they were they were ready for the famine. And so, guess what? The world kept coming to them. The world was starving to death. And as, as fate would have it, God told Joseph, the brothers will bow down to you. They came looking for food. And everybody that came had to bow down before. Hello. I said, God's promise is a yes and amen. Yeah, it's in the wedding. That's tough sometimes. But they had to bow down. And, uh, and of course, in time, he didn't tell them at first who he was, but uh, finally he told them. It was, a, I'm sure, a very moving scene. But I want you to know, church, it was 13 years later that Joseph would see his promise fulfilled. And the way Joseph went from a slave <laughs> to a prisoner to a prime minister. Remember, God was in the waiting. Amen? Somebody say amen. God is in the waiting. Praise the Lord. And, and so... God got him right where he was going to be. Of course, Joseph didn't know. You know, he was excited about this dream, but if he didn't know what he had to go through, he might have been a little bit more cautious, but it, it was God's plan. So here we see a man 13 years waiting for the promise. It finally came to be fulfilled. Go with me now to Judges. How many people like Gideon? I love Gideon. Look at verse 11. Chapter 6, verse 11. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Israelite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites were coming in and stealing all their, all their produce. They couldn't stop them. They were overpowered. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I'm sure he looked around like, I don't see any mighty man of valor around here, but the Lord was speaking to Gideon because he saw what he would become. Amen? 
God sees the finished product, just like you and I serve the Lord. We may not be like we're nothing, but God sees us as the finished product, who we will become, how we will be used, how God will use us for his glory. Praise the Lord. And um, he then said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then all this has happened to us? Where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Did not the Lord, has, but now has the Lord forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the might of yours, you and your say, you and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan, and being the Nassim, is the sweetest. I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Wow. These, these Midianites <coughs> were kind of grouped together with the Amalekites, and they had a large, large army. And God wanted to deliver uh, Israel from these men who were, this, these, these tribes who were, who were destroying their land and stealing from them. And um, Gideon couldn't fathom that his tribe would be the one God would use. Church, I want you to know it's amazing how we often start making excuses when certain things God tells us can happen. We think it can't happen. There's no way. But it can happen. Christians are full of excuses today. And excuses are like feet. They stick. Let me move on. Well, after he fleeced the Lord a couple of times, Gideon said, okay, God, whatever you want. And the call was made, and all of a sudden, 32,000 show up. Wow, it's not too bad. 32,000 soldiers. Man, you can do something with that. Five to one, that's 150,000. Of course, they said the numbers as the sand, the sand, the numbers was as the sand. See, but anyway, he said, well, you know, we, we, might, we might better do something. Well, Still a small, small army. But now the waving started. Why don't you just think, love God? So in the waving, God began to, to shrink Gideon's army. Not add to it like we think he should have. Amen? The Lord said, Gideon, if you go out and win this battle now, your men are going to take the glory. And I don't want your men to take the glory. You're going to take the glory. I want me to get the glory. I want to get the glory. So he said, just ask them how many people are afraid and want to go home. Well, maybe a few. Well, 22,000 to 32,000 left. Well, he had a brave voice, did he not? 22,000 to Oh, I'm afraid I'm going home. And he left him. And now he's left with 10,000 men to fight. Wow. Let me tell you, church, in the way sometimes things just don't make sense in the natural. This doesn't sign up. It's not right. It's not right. God wanted me win this battle, and he's, he's reducing my army. You know, I've lost 22,000. So Gideon says, well, we'll just try it. We'll get 10,000 men, I guess. He said, Gideon, I've got some more news for you, son. You've still got too many. I don't know what Gideon said, but I can imagine the expression on his face. He said, bring him down to the river, watch him drink. He dumped those 10,000 men, only 300, bend over dog with a lot of water and kept looking around. The rest just stuck their heads down in the water. And God said, send them home. Keep the 300 men. Wow. 300 men in Gideon. We're going to defeat an army of over 150. 
is God thinking. Nevertheless, Gideon and 300 men with empty pitchers and torches lit in them, and each man with a trumpet came running down the side of a hill, shouting, The sword of the Lord! The sword of Gideon. Guess what? They all began to attack each other. They became fearful. So they fight among themselves. And Gideon and his men went in and captured the two princes of the Midianites and the head the kings of the Amethyst and won the victory. Praise the Lord. See, church, God, Gideon had to wait for the right time and place for God to fulfill his promise to him and prove to him how great Jehovah really was. It was only in the waiting, only in the waiting, that Gideon learned that nothing is impossible to God. I'm telling you tonight, I don't know what you're waiting for. It may seem impossible. It seems like it's getting worse. The more you pray about it, it seems like God's not helping you. It's in the waiting. God will answer that prayer. Go to 2,000 can't do what only 300 men could do because they were in obedience to God. Yes, it's in the waiting. We learned much about our God. Let's go to 1 Samuel 16. We're going to talk about David. Pastor Bill brought it up. I don't know if it was last Sunday or last Wednesday. We talked about David in one of his teachings. Verse 10. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, All the, all the young men here. And he said, Well, there's one remaining. He's the youngest. He's out in the field keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent him, brought him in. Now he was ready with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of the altar and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, and from that day forward, so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Wow. David was probably 14, maybe 15 years old. We don't know how Maybe younger, maybe 13, but he was a young boy. But I tell you what, he was anointed. Well, I'm sure it was exciting. Maybe he didn't quite even understand it, but it was the beginning of the waiting for David. The beginning. Anointed by Samuel. His brothers began to belittle him. Yeah, you were anointed by Yeah, right. You're going to be king. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I'm sure they, they mocked him. Let me tell you, church, in the waiting, sometimes we're mocked. What are, you, what are you believing God for? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Y'all have all heard it. Amen? Come on. Oh, yeah, I laughed at it. But it took this young shepherd, only a slingshot and five stones, to get the world's attention and even the rejected King Saul to say, hey, there's something special about this boy. Who is he? Well, he's Jesse's son. What does he do? He's a shepherd. He also plays a harp. And Saul said, well... Had these evil spirits to the bottom. You remember the, he was, the spirit of the Lord was taken from Saul. He says, Bring him in here. And he played it, boy. Oh, he said, It's wonderful. I want to keep him. Let him soothe me when these evil spirits attack me. So we see now he's in Saul's tent, the king who he's going to replace one day. And then he grows up a little more and he begins to fight with the soldiers. And all of a sudden he's in charge with the soldiers and he's killing more people <laughs> of, the, of the enemy than anybody else. He's recognized. His name becomes popular among all Israel. Hail David before they say hail Saul. And Saul got jealous. And Saul was a murderer. He was no good. He said, let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. Now he became a fugitive. 
would be shepherd boy to a giant killer to a heart player to a great soldier. Now he's running from his life, running for his life, running from the king. Let me tell you, church, the devil would like nothing more to kill us before we receive our promise. Amen. That's why we got to trust the Lord, continue to trust the Lord. Again and again, David escaped all the plots of Saul. David even had opportunity to kill Saul, but he knew that one time he was anointed by God. He said, I'll trust not the anointed. Even though that anointing left, but David knew he was anointed by the Lord. But as fate would have it, God took care of it. David ran and outmaneuvered the king. But the king's own enemies was his demise. The Philistines ended up killing Saul, even beheading him. In 2 Samuel 5, David became king over all Israel. The word says he was 30 years old. Became him and became king. I submit to you, it was about 17 years later that the promise of his kingship was fulfilled and Samuel had anointed him for. Over the wedding, he went from a shepherd boy, a giant slayer, a hawk player, to a great leader of soldiers, to a fugitive on the run for his life. But God is faithful and the promise he gave was fulfilled. God is in the wedding. Can somebody say amen tonight to that? Praise the Lord. After 17 years, praise the Lord. Last but not least, let's go to Luke 24. Verse 46. Then he said to them, Thus is written, Thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. This is Jesus speaking before he ascended. And and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of this, he said. You are witnesses of these things. You I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry. What does tarry mean? Wait, sure. It means wait. Wait on the promise in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from one high. I wonder how many even knew what the promise of the Father was. Maybe the close disciples, maybe you heard, they heard him talk about that, but I wonder, but they said, he said to go to Jerusalem and wait there for the promise of the Father. Well, let's go and find out what the promise of the Father is. I'm so glad they did. <laughs> we don't know how many, some speculate 500 saw him ascended, and so they said this, and he said this before he ascended. All we know is that in the upper room that day, 10 days later, was 120. And more come in first and couldn't wait after two or three days. He said, I'm tired of praying. I'm going to leave. And all we know on that day, 10 days later, there was 120 in the upper room. The word tarry means to wait, stay longer, or delay. The promise to be given them by the Father said, if, if we would only tarry and wait for it. Remember, most believed, most, there were more than 120, as I just said, that went to Jerusalem. Only 120 remained when the promise was fulfilled. Um, Jesus had just been crucified and was buried, and for 40 days he appeared to different ones. With a glorified body walking through walls and disappearing to people and disappearing. And so uh, he was well, he was well, it was well known that he had risen. He was seen by many. And for um, 40 days he did this. But now he had them assembled together. Praise the Lord. After speaking these things to him, he was taken up in a cloud and 
two men, of course, who were still there, stood by and went apparel and told them, the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come like the like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. For the next ten days they stayed in Jerusalem, knowing they would be arrested, even killed if they were caught, because they were part of what they called the way. The Roman governor was after killing all of Jesus' disciples. They killed him, and they wanted to kill all his disciples. But they obeyed the command. God kept them hidden, and they stayed there to receive the promise. On the seventh day, the 120 that was left, hallelujah, were filled with the Holy Ghost, as we know it today. And I believe it was the birth of the church. It was Pentecost Sunday. They had the first fruits. And there in Jerusalem that day were devout men from every nation. They were all amazed at this. They came down from the upper room. They were speaking in different languages, even languages that they could understand. They knew that these Jewish people didn't know. Of course, some began to mock. You all, all have read the scriptures that some thought they were drunk with wine at 9 o'clock in the morning, but that was not so. And uh, But the promise was fulfilled. And the same disciples who ran after denying the Lord three times, Listen to the nine and three times was in Acts two fourteen the first preacher Pentecostal preacher preacher Pentecostal message and for the next two thousand years that message will be remembered and we saw that three thousand were saved that day praise the Lord oh in the waiting it was hard but eternity will glorify them forever praise the Lord thank God for the hundred twenty. Thank God for those who said we're going to follow the Lord no matter what. And thank God for His promise that was fulfilled. I want to share briefly with you. Um, we were here 20 years ago, and we had a lot of things said, a lot of things promised to us, and many of those things became fruition. But I don't think everything did come. I believe we have been brought back for such a time as this. I really do. Uh, Pastor Bowen has been placed here for such a time as this. To invite us back, and I believe we're here uh, to see the fulfillment of all the promises that God has made for this church. It's not me, folks, it's Him and what He wants. I'm just a vessel, I'm here today in obedience to the Lord. I never dreamed this would happen, but God has made it possible. In fact, I never thought I'd be back here in, in, in any position at all. Of course, Pastor Nurse is just a title in a sense, but you know, and I'm, I'm still honored to be here and, and recognized by this church, which is my home church. And so, uh, I don't know what's in store, but I know that God has something in store for this church. And we have to be faithful. And we got to get people to Jesus. I said, we got to get people to Jesus. They need Jesus. we got to invite people to church. It's important. I was reading this story the other day about the four men who brought the, the guy who was paralyzed to the house where Jesus was in Mark chapter 2. They couldn't get to the house. People surround the house and the doors and the, the uh, windows. And they made a way, got on top of the roof and put him down before the Lord. And the Lord dishonored their faith and healed the man. The man didn't know how much faith he had, but those poor guys, boy, getting in the church. And we've got to be like that, getting people to church, getting people to Christ. Amen. If anything, witnessing to them, run them, run them to the Lord at their house or in the mall or Walmart, wherever, then invite them to a church that preaches the gospel. You know, we've got a church that preaches the gospel, loves the Lord. People that love people come here, so they'll, they'll feel very welcome here. So God is in the waiting, you know, like I say, but it, the waiting Time is getting short for all of us because he's coming back soon. And that's a promise that has been fulfilled for 2,000 years. I'm coming back. He said it. Amen. And there's many generations that thought he'd come back in their, in their time, but he didn't. But he, he's promised us a rapture. Hallelujah. I say he promised us a rapture. 
We promised the church to come back and set up his kingdom here, a thousand year reign on this earth. All that's to come to pass. It's been 2,000 years, and some say, oh, well, what's happened? Don't worry. If he said it, it's going to happen. Amen? And I see things getting lined up. I've been seeing that for a long time, getting ready for the Lord to come back. Amen? And I was thinking tonight, I'm okay with this. If you're pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, he's still coming back. Hallelujah. <laughs> don't let that bother you at all, okay? Praise the Lord. Good dog and all that kind of stuff. He's going to come back. When he comes back, we'll know, hey, this is, what, this is God's will. Praise the Lord. I want to give you um, three reasons to stay true to God's promises and waiting. And I made copies of this. If you want, if some of you want that, you can. You're welcome. Never second-guess your promises. Never second-guess your promises. Most of the time when God gives us a promise, He only shows us the end of the promise. And that's always the most exciting part. It's what's in between, amen? Very few promises are, are, are you know, given quickly. Answered quickly, but some of them. Not what it would take, uh, not what it would take place, not when it would take place. We don't even know when it would take place. We give you a time, amen? How long you have to wait. The enemy will take every opportunity to plant seeds of discouragement in your minds. Many promises are all to the destroyed in the mind. Don't second guess your promise, okay? Number two, remember you're not waiting on the promise alone. God gave it to you. God is with you. <laughs> we are, when we're having to wait a long time on a promise, we sometimes begin to feel like, well, nobody else knows what I'm going through. I'm all alone. No, but God hasn't abandoned you, church. He, he, he's always with us. Even when we don't feel his presence and see him at his work. How's the song go best? Even when we don't know he's working or see him working. He's working in that song, the, the miracle uh, way maker, should I say. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Number three, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for your wait. God always has a plan and purpose for everything that He does. We cannot see the whole plan. Many times we will not see or understand why we had to wait. All we can rely on is the Word of God. For sometimes we have to wait on the promise of God for His benefit. Okay, for Him give the glory, like He did with Gideon. Sometimes for our benefit. So we understand, hey, it's not us; it's Him. Sometimes for the benefit of others who didn't believe that God can do it for you. You know what? It did happen. It was five years later, ten years later, but God didn't do it. So he does it for other people's benefit too. Praise the Lord. That's three reasons to stay true to God's promise in the waiting. Unless you can come up and say a chorus before we leave this morning that we used to sing quite a bit at Promised Land. And it says, Dear Father, this is a short prayer to pray in the waiting. While waiting on your promise, help me to keep my eyes on you. And remember that you love me so very much. Much more than I even love myself. The plans that you have for me are greater than I can imagine. Help me to never cease praising and worshiping you, even when waiting on you is to fulfill a promise or dream. Cause me to trust in you and continue to, rejo continue to rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's a great prayer to pray. Lord, keep, <laughs> help me to keep my eyes on you. He's the one that gave you the promise. He's the one that's going to fulfill it. He will meet your need as he promised to.